0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.TV slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue here. I mean, could you imagine, though, what nature does blindly, slowly, and ruthlessly? Man may do providently, quickly, and kindly. I guess we didn't follow those rules when we went into Iraq for this endless endless war, folks. I mean, that's what we should run into Washington, D.C., and silicon valley with a sign declaring that as we attack them what nature does blindly slowly and ruthlessly we may do providently quickly and kindly yes they will kindly place a chloroform soaked old t-shirt over your face and hold it there until your body starts to quiver and foam comes out of your mouth they'll do it quickly folks kind of like abortion kind of like infanticide yeah we'll take care of that problem It goes on to say, eugenics soon made its way across the Atlantic, reinforced by the discoveries of Gregor Mendel and the new science of genetics. And, you know, let me point that out, folks, because years ago, years ago, I used to joke around and I would say, um, oh, yeah, well, you'll be able to kill your child up till the age of 18. We'll just call it post-birth abortion. And then all of a sudden, a few years ago, the situation came up in Virginia, where they basically legalized infanticide. Uh, You could kill the baby up until the minute it's born. And I believe it's on the books that if the baby is born in the middle of a botched abortion, you could murder it right there on the hospital table. Well, think about this one. What is the difference between that... And these guys who want to sterilize folks, meaning they're going to kill the baby before it's actually even born by ending people's bloodlines by force. Well, you say that's pretty sick stuff, but look at what just happened to Virginia in the last couple of years. So that's happening today. If you heard about that in a history book, if I read it to you as a history lesson, you go, wow, these people were monsters back in the 1900s well they're doing it right now they're doing it right now all right let's continue in the united states it found some of its earliest support among the same group that harvard had the wealthy old families of baston baston massachusetts right it says the boston brahmins were strong believers in the power of their own bloodlines and it was an easy leap for many of them to believe that society should work to make the nation's gene pool as exalted as their own now we heard that Jeffrey Epstein was involved with some of this stuff right thought his bloodline was so special Elon Musk involved with some of this stuff, right? So, again, it never ended, folks. It just changed names. It changed names. It rebranded. It's got new people. But it's all still there. It's all alive and well. It goes on to say, Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., AB1829MD36LLD80, all right that's all his official titles folks dean of harvard medical school so oliver wendell holmes senior was dean of harvard medical school acclaimed writer and father of the future supreme court justice was one of the first american intellectuals to espouse genetics holmes whose ancestors had been at harvard since john oliver entered with the class of 1680 had been writing about human breeding even before galton he coined the phrase is quote boston brahmin end quote an 1861 book in which he described his social class as a physical and mental elite identifiable by its noble physiognomy and aptitude for learning which he insisted were congenital and hereditary Holmes believed eugenic principles could be used to address the nation's social problems. In an 1875 article in the Atlantic Monthly, he gave Galton an early embrace and argued that his ideas could help to explain the roots of criminal behavior. Quote, if genius and talent are inherited, as Mr. Galton has so conclusively shown, end quote, Holmes wrote quote why should not deep-rooted moral defects show themselves in the descendants of moral monsters question it was a question he asked folks as eugenics grew in popularity it took hold at the highest levels of harvard a lawrence lowell who served as president from 1909 to 1933, was an active supporter. Lowell, who worked to impose a quota on Jewish students and to keep black students from living in the yard, was particularly concerned about immigration. And he joined the eugenicists in calling for sharp limits. Quote, the need for homogeneity in a democracy end quote he insisted justified laws quote resisting the influx of great numbers of a greatly different race end quote Lowell also supported eugenics research when the eugenics record office the nation's leading eugenics research and propaganda organization asked for access to harvard records to study the physical and intellectual attributes of alumni fathers and sons he readily agreed Lowell had a strong personal interest in eugenics research his secretary noted in response to the request you see so you had all these heads of harvard how can they try to tell you this was?" just some misguided uh, blemish here. It was just a blemish on this misguided ideology. Folks, the top guys at Harvard were part of this. Woodrow Wilson, our president. Theodore Roosevelt, our president, were involved with eugenics. This stuff was mainstream. Now, again, you may be for or against this stuff. Whatever. I'm just showing you it's real. It's there. It's cemented in our history. If you don't know about this and if you don't know how big this movement was, then I think this is very important to you because it will help start to make you realize that the America you think you live in or the America you thought you live in is not that America anymore. I mean, it's it, we have this vision of America that we were sold, and then we're told, with what's going on today, that America was taken away from us. But what America is it? that's why i keep presenting to you are we going back to 1960 1940 1920 1800 because all these horrible things have happened throughout american history so if you get in your time machine with doc brown and we go back to the future folks where where are we actually going where are we starting at we would have to go at least pre-civil war And probably have to go pre-Constitution back to the Articles of Confederation. But then are we bringing back slavery? See, there's all these things that we say are bad and we righted certain wrongs. But then look at all the wrongs we created like eugenics and technocracy and everything else. See, this country was never perfect. It was never perfect at all, and we could sit here and say, well, it's better than any other form of government. I don't know that. I didn't live under any other form of government. I know that my wife grew up in communist Poland under Soviet control. It was supposedly pretty bad. The food was rationed. Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, when they were younger, they would get uh, basically food vouchers. It's equivalent to food stamps here. And you would go to the store and you get your food. At the same time, the Soviets were handing out large plots of land. My mother-in-law, through her uh, late father and then her, what, four other sisters, they inherited tens of acres of land apiece from the land that her father acquired under Communist Poland. I'm not saying it was better or worse I'm just saying we haven't lived under these different forms of government so to say that we are the best form of government that ever existed I think that's just a fairy tale see while we lived under this so called constitutional republic all this other stuff was going on and this constitutional republic this uh, mom and apple pie America basically never existed see even if you roll back to I think the vision that most people had when Trump would say make America great again make America great and stuff and things And everything, again, it's going to be unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. It's going to be so great. Well, I think when you roll back to 1950, you think of mom and apple pie, you think of more morals, you think of more ethics, but at the same time, the technocracy already came in under the New Deal. And even before that, the Federal Reserve was already there. So the direction we were moving in was already set in stone. This point that we're at here today was the only logical conclusion uh, as far as if you look at all these events throughout history where it was going to eventually push us to. All right. So we are in it. We're living in it. So to say we're going to restore America is just really sad. I think the only way that you can restore at least this vision of America you have in your head is we form this breakaway civilization, this breakaway community, a breakaway development. You know, we'll have to deal with, I said, the federal government, and the state government, but you can build a community in which a bunch of us live and we live to the fullest extent of freedom as possible. Uh, except for our dealings with the government. So it would be a one foot in the matrix, one foot out of the matrix system. All right, it goes on to say the Harvard faculty contains some of nation's most influential eugenics thinkers in an array of academic disciplines. Frank W. Tossig. okay, so this is the gentleman that we covered yesterday who talked about throwing a chloroform rag over somebody's face. He said, we're just not there yet. We're not there yet. In the meantime, let's lock them in cages and we'll chemically castrate them. So it says, Frank W. Tausick, whose 1911 Principles of Economics was one of the most widely adopted economics textbooks of its time, called for sterilizing unworthy individuals with a particular focus on the lower classes. Quote, the human race could be immensely improved in quality and its capacity for happy living immensely increased if those of poor physical and mental endowment were prevented from multiplying. End quote, Tausig wrote. Quote, certain types of criminals and paupers breed only their kind, and society has a right and a duty to protect its members from the repeated burden of maintaining and guarding such parasites, End quote. Okay, so this guy right here, Harvard faculty, right, one of the most influential thinkers in the eugenic ideology. In this 1911 book, Principles of Economics, okay, it's one of the most widely adopted economic textbooks. So this is economist, kids going to school for economy classes, economy courses to get a degree in economics or reading this, right? I have to reread it because you would think it's a quote from Adolf Hitler, Right? Or you would think it's a quote from Yuval Noah Harari, which there's very little difference. What's the difference between Hitler and Yuval Noah Harari? I don't know, about a one-inch-wide mustache? That's pretty much it, folks. It goes on to say, quote, The human race could be immensely improved in quality and its capacity for happy living immensely increased if those of poor physical and mental endowment were prevented from multiplying. Certain types of criminals and paupers breed only their kind, and society has a right and a duty to protect its members from the repeated burden of maintaining and guarding such parasites. You know, I was having a conversation with maria albanese co-host of the thomas Payne podcast on fridays uh this afternoon about this and she said to me I believe that all humans are born good and they only learn evil from those that are raising them and from the world that is around them and each child grows up in a completely different world folks based on where they're growing up at the very moment they're growing up and a lot of these people end up with uh, childhood trauma that they never overcome and that's what makes them evil so to say that these people only breed evil I'm telling you this opens the doors to exactly what is going on today where the transhumanists believe that we have to merge with artificial intelligence. They want to crossbreed us with the machine because we are imperfect and when we get back in one of the segments tonight, we're going to talk about this paper I found that explains it so well that I decided to include it in this show because I've talked to you before about the transhumanists and these technocrats. They could never ever recreate the soul they think they can recreate the power of the brain they think they can upload their consciousness to the cloud, they think they can create these cyborg android uh, robots and that they can grow people in synthetic rooms, but they cannot duplicate the soul, and that is what makes them upset, that is why Yuval Noah Harari says, you have no spirit, you have no soul, the days of free will are over think about what that means folks the days of free will are over, is it that we have no soul and that we have no spirit or is it that they're going to take our soul and take our spirit and that is why the days of free will are over because we will have no free will with no soul because we will merely be a robot in their internet of things folks I'll be right back this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv/gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv/slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to pain.tv/slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's continue with this Harvard Magazine piece. See all these nuggets you find when you start researching and studying history, folks? I mean, these mainstream guys, presidents, and these leading professors at Harvard talking about this. Oh, the esteemed Harvard, the wonderful Harvard. My son went to Harvard. Oh, really? what did he learn there it goes on to say harvard's geneticist gave important support to galton's fledgling would-be science botanist edward m east who taught at harvard's boosy institution propounded a particularly racial version of eugenics in his 1919 book, Inbreeding and Outbreeding, Their Genetic and Sociological Significance, East warned that race mixing would diminish the white race, writing, quote, Races have arisen which are as distinct in mental capacity as in physical traits, end quote. The simple fact, he said, was that, quote, the Negro is inferior to the white, end quote. So here you have Edward M. East, right, who taught at Harvard's Boosie Institution saying the Negro is inferior to the white. And so this is the mentality of these folks in and around. Harvard, right? In and around Harvard. I wonder if they bring this up at their uh, graduation ceremony every year or if this is in the recruitment material. If you're going to send your kid off to Harvard, does it say on the front? Harvard, the Negro is inferior to the white. Edward M. East. No, I don't think so. Where was the BLM movement uh, surrounding this stuff, folks? This hidden history. That should be the the story. Should be this, this segment should be called The Hidden History. The Truth About Harvard. You know, I mean, this is uh, unbelievable, folks. I don't know if you've ever heard this stuff on mainstream news. Has uh, Tucker Carlson or did Bill O'Reilly ever talk about this? I am not sure, folks. I am not sure. It goes on to say east also sounded a biological alarm about the jews italians asians and other foreigners who were arriving in large numbers quote the early settlers came from stock which had made notable contributions to civilization end quote he asserted whereas the new immigrants were coming quote in increasing numbers from peoples who have impressed modern civilization but lightly end quote now, it's basically saying that the original settlers had done great things. The new immigrants have not wowed anybody. That's what he's saying. There was a distinct possibility, he warned, that a, quote, considerable part of these people are genetically undesirable, end quote. In his 1923 book, Mankind at the Crossroads, East Please became more emphatic. The nation, he said, was being overrun by the feeble-minded who were reproducing more rapidly than the general population. Quote, and we expect to restore the balance by expecting the latter to compete with them in the size of their families. East wrote, quote, No, eugenics is sorely needed. Social progress without it is unthinkable. End quote. So again, they're always talking about social project progress, social engineering, social control, you know, a system of social order, you know, this is the type of stuff they talk about here. So again, these guys are trying to play God, you know, we're going to go do deeper research into this where they could have just called for, you know, ending mass immigration, let's call it quits to it. But instead, they move towards this idea of sterilization, these ideas uh, really of uh, forced breeding and really genocide. You know, some of them actually talk about killing people, like Towsing, who said that we should chloroform them right i mean this is serious stuff folks these were leading scholars talking about this openly And we're going to figure out who was behind uh, mass open borders mass immigration because it is my opinion you're going to see that it is a problem reaction solution scenario so they create the problem by bringing all these people in and then they're going to provoke a reaction you know save us save us and then they're going to offer a solution hey let us kill people that we deem to be undesirable of course it doesn't end with the so-called immigrants because if you have a club foot and you can't work down at the dock guess what buddy you're being chemically castrated guess what you're going to be thrown in a wood chipper But now we move into the modern age, and don't worry, because they are going to make sure that people aren't born like that by cutting in good strands of DNA and replacing the bad strands of DNA, or some of the DNA injection shots I looked at, where they claim they can inject you now and cure your bad DNA. Want us to get rid of your club foot? Let us inject you with a DNA-modifying shot. Oh, yeah. Sure. No thanks, fellas. I read your... uh, papers from back in 1900s i think i'll pass all right it goes on to say east busey institution colleague william ernest castle taught a course on quote genetics and eugenics end quote one of a number of eugenics courses across the university see they were teaching this stuff to children so that generation of kids was tainted with this where do you think they went on to who do you think their kids are? Ah, huh, gee, I wonder. I wonder how many people they indoctrinated with this school of thought. All the fine so-called liberals today, folks, grew out of this movement. All the wealthy elite families. Goes on to say he also published a leading textbook by the same name that shaped the views of a generation of students nationwide. There you go. There, I knew that was coming, folks. You see that? You have this guy, William Ernest Castle, taught a course on, quote, genetics and eugenics, end quote, one of a number of eugenics courses across the university. And this guy, William Castle, also published a leading textbook by the same name that shaped the views of a generation of students nationwide. And I was talking to Bria Albanese about this because I told her, It's like the young folks that you see working in the hospital system. If those people were educated within the current system of medicine, the Rockefeller Industrial Medical Complex, right, then that's all they know. If you have a 35-year-old teacher who went to college to be a teacher and they were taught how to teach using Common Core, that is all they know. If you have a lawyer taught in the current system at a college that teaches law based on the current system, that is all they know. Unless you're someone like Legal Man or the podcast The Quash, you're not going to question your own education. You go spend two, three, four hundred thousand dollars to go to law school And then you get out and you're going to start spending hundreds of hours of research every month to disprove everything that you just learned? No, the majority of people are not going to do that. So now you have a generation of students that were brought up on eugenics that then go out into the real world, many of which become teachers. And then what do you think they're teaching their students? What do you think they're practicing? If they're a scientist or an engineer, they're practicing eugenics. And then you ask yourself how this trickled into the 1950s and 60s through people like Sidney Gottlieb, the chief uh, chemist at the CIA who was running the MKUltra programs. How did that trickle all the way into today with uh, Ray Kurzweil and Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and the rest of these folks? Well, we created a whole generation of students out there that are considered to be super smart, the elite, because they went to Harvard, now with this eugenics ingrained into their DNA. Goes on to say Genetics and Eugenics, that's the book, not only identified its author as, quote, professor of zoology in Harvard University, end quote, but was published by Harvard University Press and bore the Veritas seal on its title page lending the appearance of an imprimatur to his strongly stated views in genetics and eugenics that's the book castle explained that race mixing whether in animals or humans produced inferior offspring he believed there were superior and inferior races and that quote racial crossing end quote benefited neither quote from the viewpoint of a superior race there is nothing to be gained by crossing with an inferior race end quote he wrote quote, from the viewpoint of the inferior race, also the cross is undesirable if the two races live side by side because each race will despise individuals of mixed race and this will lead to endless friction end quote. So what he's saying is if you have a super uh, high ranking breed, let's say like a Harvard graduate goes and breeds with a community college girl right, it's not fair to either of them because the off Spring of the Harvard graduate is going to be diluted, and therefore that kid should be thrown to the wolves. Uh, but for the girl who went to the community college, it's not fair to her, because her offspring will be made fun of and disowned by the community college crowd and the Harvard crowd. That's what he's saying there, folks goes on to say Castle also propounded the eugenicist argument that crime, prostitution, and, quote, pauperism, end quote, were largely due to, quote, feeble-mindedness, end quote, which he said was inherited. He argued the unfortunate individuals so afflicted be sterilized, or in the case of women, quote, segregated, end quote, in institutions during their reproductive years to prevent them from having children. Well, he doesn't talk about how the majority of those prostitutes back then were thrown into a life of prostitution slavery by the very people that he's hanging out with at Harvard University. But we won't mention that, folks, because we're not allowed to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Give me a break. And these people that were pushed into crime to steal were because of the economic policies of these same economists from the same era. See, they're cleaning up their own messes. Goes on to say, like his colleague East, Castle was deeply concerned about the biological impact of immigration. In some parts of the country, he said the, quote, good human stock, quote, was dying out and being replaced by, quote, a European peasant population, end quote. Would, quote, this new population be a fit substitute for the old Anglo-Saxon stock, end quote? Castle's answer, quote, time alone will tell, end quote. One of Harvard's most prominent psychology professors was a eugenicist who pioneered the use of questionable intelligence testing. Robert M. Yerkes, AB 1898, Ph.D. 02, published an introductory psychology textbook in 19... 11, that included a chapter on, quote, eugenics and mental life, end quote. Antity explained that, quote, the cure for race deterioration is the selection of the fit as parents, end quote. Yerkes, who taught courses with such titles as, quote, educational psychology, heredity and eugenics, end quote, and, quote, mental development in the race, end quote, developed a now infamous intelligence test that was administered to 1.75 million U.S. Army enlistees in 1917. The test purported to find that more than 47% of the white test takers and even more of the black ones were feeble-minded. that? So if you're white, if you're Caucasian, and you're cheering on this, going, "Yeah, this was not a bad idea, guess what? There's a 47% chance that you would have been deemed feeble-minded by these quacks, by these psychos, by these power-hungry madmen, and you would have been chemically castrated, locked in a cage, or had a chloroform rag thrown over your white face. See, no No one was going to be protected by these folks, except the elites that hung out at the country clubs with these madmen. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. Think about that over the break. My name is Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. More listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. Join the discussion at Payne.TV slash gold.